0: Father, uh, we are thankful uh, just for all your blessings to us, Lord. We're thankful for your church. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful for um, the fact that you've called us out of darkness and into light, and you've called others out of darkness and into light. You've blessed us with the blessing of being able to fellowship. We're thankful for each local body, but we're also thankful for Uh, Lord, the fellowship you give us uh, among believers from other churches. Thankful, Lord, for um, just the opportunity today that we have to sit together under the sound of your word. Now, we pray that you would be with uh, Brother Brady as he comes and uh, preaches. I pray you would bless him to recall the things that he studied. I pray that you would uh, just give him uh, liberty as he um, preaches your word. And then I pray that you would open... Uh, Each set of ears here, uh, that we would receive your word with gladness and that we would bring forth much fruit to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Come ahead, Brother Brady. Well,
1: good morning. It's good to be back with you again today, bring you greetings from Georgia. You can be turning to Psalms 34. We'll take that as a launching point today, and I want to talk to you today about holy fear, and we'll just title this Holy Fear, The Intensity of Love. What are you afraid of? What is fear? Why do we fear? Is fear good or bad? Here in Psalms 34, we'll take this for a launching point, And then I'm going to just be going some various texts today as we talk about holy fear. You see, in Psalms 34, after the opening kind of call to worship here, the psalmist says in verse 4, I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. And yet in verse 9, you're, you're commanded to fear. So He delivered me from my fears And then in verse nine, it says, oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. And he goes on and says in a couple of verses on down, he says that we must be taught this fear. We must be taught this fear. And so, again, I ask you, what are you afraid of? We learn in Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is foundational, isn't it? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. And again, in Proverbs 9 and 10, it tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So it's the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. And we're told here in Psalms 34 that there's no want to them that fear Him. So what is this holy fear? Well, it's foundational, this thing that's called fear. John Flavel has a little sermon called uh, Treaties on Fear where he says, Among all the creatures God has made, devils only accepted, man is the most apt and able to be his own tormentor. Isn't that right? That we torment ourselves with our fears? There's another man that wrote a book called Why I'm Not a Christian. I'm not going to mention his name because the name of the wicked will be blotted out. But in this book that he wrote over a hundred years ago, as I understand it, he said that the reason why there is so much fear in the world and in society, is because of Christianity. And as the religion he believed in has been had great success in the world over the last hundred years, would you say that there is more fear or less fear today? In 2018, there was a professor, a sociologist as I understand it, named Faridi, who wrote a book called How Fear Works. And he wrote this book because he wanted to try to understand why is it in America where we have more money, more comfort, and more freedom than most countries that there's more fear than ever? His conclusion That he came to is because of moral confusion. Moral confusion is the result of fear. I would say it's misplaced fear. It's a result of misplaced fear. So now we live in this society where we have free floating fears. You know what we call that? Anxiety. Free flow, fear not attached to anything, just anxiety creeps up. We have uh, 40 million people that are medicating in one way or another. Uh, Anxiety disorders are the most common form of mental illness, according to the secularist. Since COVID, Americans are taking 34% more. Anxiety medications. When the fear of God is replaced with the fear of other things. Then the disease just gets worse. Flavel in his sermon went on to say this. The carnal person fears man, not God. The strong Christian fears God, not man. The weak Christian fears man too much and God too little. So what are you afraid of? Well, I hope to answer some of those questions today. And I would just say we're really just going to dip our little toe in the ocean of this glorious reality of holy fear. I've been studying this for, I think, about a year. And every time I go back and start thinking on this, I think I have so much to learn about what this means. So we'll distinguish between three types of fear and spend most of our time on sinful fear and holy fear. So first of all, there's a natural fear, which is a good kind of fear. This is the kind of fear you feel when the tornado tops the hill. Or the bicycle is going down and you lose control. You kids are probably familiar with that kind of fear. That's the fear that Jonah's shipmates experienced. Whenever the storm was raging and they feared for their lives. That's a good kind of fear, right? That's the kind of natural fear of self-preservation. But then there is a sinful fear, which is unbelief and distrust in God and his promises. It could be also titled the fear of men or the fear of anything that you fear more than you do God. And then the third point is holy fear, which we will take some, from some various texts today. So just to start out, you were made with the capacity to experience fear. You are all made in the image of God, glorious creatures in his image. And you were designed to experience fear. What is this fear we were designed to experience? This fear understood And properly placed is where wisdom and knowledge begin, just begin, and where we move on to the intensity of ecstatic love and the experience of God. So how are we to untangle our sinful understanding of fear and escape being manipulated by our fear to fear anything than God. Well we have to understand the difference between sinful fear and holy fear. So first of all, let's just talk about sinful fear. And before I do that, I want to give you I'll give you a couple of texts uh, that show you the distinction again between these two fears, just like I showed you in Psalms 34. If you look at Exodus 2020, 20, Moses is speaking here in Exodus 20, and he said unto the people, fear not. For God has come to prove you that his fear may be before your faces, that you sin not. Fear not, fear. That looks like, what do we do with that? Fear not, so that his fear might be before you. It's two kinds of fear. It's the sinful fear that drives us from God and dread and the holy fear that drives us toward God and expectation and wonder. So where did this sinful fear come from? Well, it came from Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, we read, of one of the uh, most important parts of the entire Bible. we got to understand Genesis 3. I'll tell you, the the older I get, the more profound is the fall of man. And how it explains everything you see that's going on today. In fact, uh, I'm reading a book right now with someone called When... People are big and God is small by Ed Welch. You're probably familiar with that. Uh, Some of y'all may have read that. The origin of all mental illness starts right here in Genesis 3, 7. And it says, The eyes of them both were opened and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So immediately upon sinning, They are exposed. And they try to cover it up. They try to cover up their sin. And so they make themselves aprons. And so we see that they go from being naked and not ashamed. In chapter 225 of Genesis to now, in the presence of God, they're ashamed and naked. And that is where everyone is born into the world, ashamed and naked before a holy God. Righteousness lost results in sin and shame and the presence of God. Unbelief in God's word brings sinful fear. They didn't believe God and his word. They believed Satan and his lie. Satan got them to distrust God and think they were afraid they were missing out on something. They weren't missing out on anything at all. And so was born this distrust and fearful dread of God. The sinful kind of fear. But our faith drives that out, doesn't it? Praise God, hallelujah, for this faith that drives out sinful fear this is the faith that we that conquers the fear of death right y'all are in hebrews hebrews 2:15 everyone their entire life is subject to the fear of death in the garden when we lost our covering of glory and righteousness and we were subjected to the shame-sin response, sin-shame response, we realize that everyone in the world is ashamed because of what this brother just said earlier, God's eyes are everywhere, beholding everyone. Everyone is under the beholden eyes of God all the time. Proverbs 15.3 The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. And because everyone, everyone senses that gaze of a holy God, they sense this sh- response of shame. In fact, even the atheists, if you take a look at the atheists, Carl Jung, Freud, Maslow, and all of these guys, they they agree that everyone is under shame. They just have a different explanation for a solution. Their solution is you lay on my couch and give me all your money and I'll tell you how to fix it. It's a pretty good racket, isn't it? They they agree with this. In fact, they call it self-esteem. Lack of self-esteem. And so what do they tell you to do? They tell you, well, you just need to focus even more on yourself. Which, and then it gets worse and worse. Because the more you look at yourself, the sicker you're going to be. We don't need more self-esteem. We need more Christ-esteem. The more we focus on the perfections of Christ, the more we will be healed from our sin and shame. We also see that this sinful fear leads to blame-shifting, right? So what was the first thing that happened? That woman... It's her fault. And then, of course, Eve says it was the serpent. It's his fault. We don't want to take responsibility for our sin, do we? We don't want to take responsibility for it. And so we see that this is the origin and the distortion of that God-given emotion of fear that you have been given. That's where it was distorted. And to this day... Wicked, the wicked use that to manipulate you. Don't let them. So that's sin's origin. Secondly, let's take a look at the fear of men. When people are big, God is small. The fear of men. Let's just take a look at Isaiah chapter 8. I'll give you an example of a text here that I think is pretty relevant. We look at Isaiah 8 and uh, verses 11 through 14. For the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people, saying, Say you not a confederacy to all them to whom this people shall say a confederacy, neither fear you their fear, nor be afraid. So what is he saying here? He says, don't think like everyone else. Don't call everything a conspiracy. Don't live in dread of the things that frighten them. Does that sound familiar? Quanon, Or whatever, however you say that thing. I don't know much about that, but... Uh, people get caught up, they will believe anything but the truth. We have no reason to fear. We know. Don't we know who's in control of today? And if you want to know what God's will is in the world and what He's doing, look at it yesterday. He goes on there and says, Sanctify the Lord of hosts Himself. And let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. And he shall be for a sanctuary. This is a a fear, a holy fear that you can flee to that will be your protection. Because holy fear will purge you from sinful fears and tormenting yourself. And he shall be for a sanctuary but for a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So we see here they were afraid of men and not God. We see this many times in Scripture, don't we? Remember when Saul sacrificed before Samuel came, he was afraid of the people. He gave in to the fear of men. Sinful fear magnifies man. So... Think about this just a minute. When you fear the politician or the virus, you are giving the attributes of God to that man, to that woman, or to that virus. And you are giving control of your thoughts and your emotions To that thing or that person. We shouldn't be doing that. We only give our fear to him who really has the attributes of God. God himself. And so when we do that, we're making them God. Little gods in our life. We're allowing them to manipulate us. Don't do it. You've got a greater treasure. You have a greater fear. Remember Romans 3.18 There is no fear of God before their eyes. Sinful fear has unbelief at the root. We see this in Matthew 8.26 Jesus is out on the water. There's a big storm and like most of us, when there's a big storm, we have that natural response of fear, right? And He says there to His disciples in Matthew eight twenty six, And He said unto them, Why are you fearful? O you of little faith. So we see that The cause of our fears is little faith. And then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm. And then what happened to the disciples' fear? They took it from where they had misplaced it and they put it where it belonged. They were terrified of Jesus Christ. And they said, who is this? Who's this that can command peace be still and the entire creation lays down anxiety grows in the soil of unbelief and so we must fight it because we all have that right i believe lord Help my unbelief. That's the fight of faith. It's fighting the old nature and that sin of unbelief. And as we come to the word and worship and spend time in Christ's presence and our understanding of this holy filial fear of love and the intensity of being in his presence will purge us from our fears. We have fear in our life because of love. So I want to talk to you about how fear and love are connected. This holy fear and love. How your fear is connected. So we love ourselves and we fear something bad happening to ourselves and so we fear. We love our family And fear something bad happening to them. And when inflation is up, we fear the loss of our money and our comfort and our way of life because we love them too much and God too little. And so we can see how fear and love come together. We fear the loss of the things we love. When we fear the loss of His presence and His love and His companionship more than these things, it will drive out the fear of loss of anything. It will drive out our idols Oh, Americans. C.S. Lewis has this work called The Great Divorce. I think Ryan was telling me about that. I uh, found a quote in there where uh, there were these ghosts in there who could not imagine being without the very things that deformed them. I couldn't imagine being without the very things that deformed them. I read a... Story, oh, it's probably been a year or so ago, about a place where a mom and dad were trying to discipline a teenage daughter and they took away her iPhone. And she went into such a rage, they had to call the police. Because her love and her fear was exposed. And so the sinful fear originates in our unbelief. It comes from our fallenness where we sense being under the gaze of a holy God. We fear because we love. And so now let's turn to our third point and just spend a little time talking about what this holy fear is. Just looking at some different texts along the way. Just some verses to kind of let this wash over you. Speaking of the fear of God in Psalms 103, 17, it says, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him. And his righteousness unto children's children. Do you want everlasting mercy? Do you want his righteousness on your children and grandchildren? It says, then fear him. Those that fear him have that right now. Right here, right now, you have that. In Psalms 145, 19, he will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. And in Psalms 147, 11, the Lord takes pleasure and them that fear Him and those that hope in His mercy. That, that always boggles my mind that God could take pleasure in me, an ant, but He does. He takes pleasure in you, believer. He loves you. He cherishes you. He wants you to understand this holy fear is opposite of sinful fear. It's opposite of being afraid of what's going on in the world. It's pure and holy and purifying. John Bunyan said, All fear, good and bad, inclines the heart towards its object. All fear, good and bad, inclines the heart towards its object. Think about that. When you're afraid of, uh, say if you're afraid of the stock market going down and losing your pension plan. Uh, I've been struggling with that fear. (laughs) But in those moments, my mind starts wrapping around that and thinking about it too much. And so the fear attracts my mind towards thinking about it. And then I have to come back and say, no, there's some flowers there. There's some birds. And there's a sermon that Jesus taught. said, God's going to feed them and clothe them. He's going to feed and clothe me. I've got a promise. It's preaching to me every day outside. And so I can look at that and I can wrestle with that fear and use the word and the promises to conquer it. And this is not easy. As you all know, living in the last two years, as fear has gripped the earth and God's righteous judgments. Fear is this emotion that you were designed to experience. And as we talk about holy fear, just think about fear. What happens when you're really afraid? When you lose control of the bicycle? You're afraid because you're not in control. Well, who is in control? You got to the sovereignty of God. Boy, is that not foundational, or what? Whenever you fear something, there is an intensity of physical response like no other emotion. Your heart starts racing. I read a book uh, a few years ago called "The Concealed Handbook," concealed gun handbook. And there was a guy in there who did an analysis of what happens to a police officer when he's in a shooting. The adrenaline dump and what happens and the physical response and how long it takes to get over that. Fear is a powerful, powerful emotion. The intensity of the response of holy fear is the Only response that a holy God is worthy of. Your heart should pitter patter and you should tremble in holy fear in the presence of a holy God. It's the only proper response to a holy God. Intensity of emotion. Physical response. You know, when I think about that, as I've been studying this, I'm thinking, you know, that hadn't happened too many times to me, honestly, where I have trembled. And yet that's exactly what we see in the scriptures. So let's walk through a few scriptures and look at some responses. And back to Isaiah 11, we're just a couple pages over where we were earlier. We've got Isaiah 11, one through three, three. Let's look at this. And see what we can learn about holy fear. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. That is Jesus Christ. Jesse was David's dad. The branch is Christ, a ruler. And the spirit of the Lord, that Lord there is Yahweh. The spirit of Yahweh shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge. And look at this. And of the fear of the Lord. Jesus Christ had the experience of the fear of the Lord on him. And in verse 3 it says, And shall make him of quick understanding and the fear of the Lord And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. So we see here that Messiah, this great prophecy of Messiah, said that Jesus Christ would have this fear of the Lord. And if we take a look here in verse 3, it says, and shall make him of quick understanding. I looked at this word here, quick understanding. There's one word in the original. And some other meanings would be smell or scent. A pleasurable smell or scent. And the same word is translated in Genesis 8.21 when it said the Lord smelled a sweet savor. So Jesus Christ smells a sweet savor of the fear of the Lord. So this fear, this holy fear, is not what we expect. It's something that brings pleasure. Imagine you're in here and there's a wedding going on, and you know, the groom is sitting down here at the front, and everybody stands up. He turns around. He sees his bride all decked out, and he senses that anticipation of marriage and his beautiful bride, and he's overwhelmed and trembles. This holy. Fear is a holy pleasure of trembling and anticipation. It's whenever we come into the presence of a a holy God and He's so beautiful, He's so glorious. You know, that's what irresistible grace is. When you see Christ, you're born again, your eyes are open, and you see His glory and His beauty and what He's done for you, and you just are amazed and overwhelmed with His beauty. And you're irresistibly drawn to the most glorious, beautiful person in the universe. It's sort of that holy fear we're talking about. You remember when Isaiah fell down in the presence of God? He fell down trembling and he thought he was going to die. But he didn't fall away from God. He fell towards him. Holy fear is something that doesn't drive you from God, it draws you towards Him. It's an unknown quantity. It's like when you're standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon and all the wonder there, and you have that sense of awe that creeps over you in the face of beauty like that. And that awe that we feel in view of nature is worship. Wow. And yet, you're standing on the edge and you're afraid of falling in but you don't want to go away. You want to soak it all in. You want to embrace the pleasure, the glory, and the wonder. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, sinful fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Daddy, Daddy. We're drawn towards Him. Not spirit of fear anymore, but a new kind of fear. This holy, sanctified use of this God-given emotion is not what we expect. It's hard for us to grasp, but we must press on into this. It was Christ's delight. And Christ Himself as Messiah had this holy fear. It's an understanding that Aslan is not a tame lion. We see another aspect of this holy fear in Jeremiah 33.9 where the prophet says, And it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and an honor before all the nations of the earth. Speaking of the church. And this is what he says. They shall all, the, the world shall hear all the good that I do to them and they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and for all the prosperity that I procure unto it. What is the response of having all this goodness poured out on us? It's holy fear. Why me? Why would you have such mercy on me? You know, I was thinking about this the other day and uh, some of y'all may have seen Facing the Giants. I don't know if anybody of y'all have seen that, but it's a movie made by that church down in Georgia. And there's a football coach there. He's going through all these struggles. You know, his wife can't conceive. Uh, The car's broken down. You know, they barely have enough money working for a little Christian school. And he goes out and spends all night in prayer. And God starts answering his prayers. And one day he's at uh, school and he's coming out with his assistant coach. And his car's gone. He thinks somebody stole his car. I think assistant coach said, who'd want to steal that? And he gets out there and there's this new truck. And it's got a, a note on it. And he opens up the note. And they said, we'd like to thank you, coach, for all the good you've done. Here's your truck. And he starts weeping. And he's so overcome. Why would anybody give me a truck? That's a response. When God does so much good to us that we're overwhelmed and trembling and pleasure and saying, why me, Lord? Thank you for your mercy and your goodness. Was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. You see, there it is again. You have this fear if you have been born of the Spirit. You've got this fear in you and that's what Drives you in pleasure to this place. Isn't it great that we sing these songs? Do you know what a response of holy fear is? What wondrous love is this? Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. We come, we sing about this holy fear. And the pleasure that rises up in our souls as we come to sing to Him who saved us. And in Jeremiah thirty-two thirty-eight, it says, And they shall be my people. And I will be their God. Isn't that good news? And they, and I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever. For the good of them and of their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant of them and I will not turn away from them to do them good. But I will put my fear in their hearts and they shall not depart from Me. Yea, I will rejoice over them to do them good. I will plant them in this land assuredly with My whole heart and with My whole soul. Isn't that a great promise? God's whole heart and His soul has planted you in this land. And you are safe and secure in holy fear. Bunyan said, no holy fear, no faith. Sinful fear, devil's faith. Saints faith, sanctified fear. So we see that fear and love are parallel and that we fear to lose those things we love. And I hope that as we meditate on these things, we can see that we don't want to lose this Fellowship in his presence. And I know we're promised we won't. But we also are also told to fight the good fight of faith. And to press toward the mark of the high calling. We see this parallel structure also again in Psalms 145. This great poem here we see in the stanzas as poets will do a parallel structure. And he says, he will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. The Lord preserves all them that love Him. And the parallel structure is all them that fear Him, all them that love Him. Our fear and love go together. So brothers and sisters, we must cut off this sinful fear and we must fight this sinful fear. Just a couple of more and I'll close. This holy fear includes joy. In Psalms 2.11 Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with what? Trembling. Where does the trembling come from? Your sanctified, holy response of fear. Think of the women at the sepulcher. Matthew 28.8 They departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. This holy fear is holy love and holy joy. So you were made with the capacity to experience the emotion of fear. And this fear understood and properly placed is where wisdom and knowledge begin and where we move on toward experiencing the holy, intense ecstasy of love. F.W. Faber had this poem. He has a whole poem on the fear of God. It's beautiful. One little stanza. He said, Our blessedness will be to bear the sight of thee so near, and thus eternal love will be the ecstasy of fear. Brothers and sisters, we live in a fallen world where sinful fear exists and where you're going to have to wrestle with it. To fear anything other than God is to give that thing the attributes of God. We fear because we love the loss of things causes us to fear which in many cases is idolatry. Holy fear will purify you of idolatry. Holy fear is the only fitting response being the intense Emotion that it is to a holy God. And there's nothing in this world that is worthy of your holy fear. Jesus Christ himself experienced terror. So when you're struggling and you're afraid, remember Gethsemane. Remember when Christ went there and He fell down and prayed and sweat great drops of blood because He knew what He was about to experience. He was going to experience eternal wrath for you. Somehow, because of His infinite dignity, He's able to experience all of the punishment and wrath that we deserve. There is no fear you will ever experience will be anything like that. And so if you're struggling with fear or anxiety, go to Him. He understands your infirmities. He Himself has experienced the terror of God so that you don't have to. Isn't that good news? That He made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. I would just close and tell you, this should be our prayer, Psalms 86-11. Because our hearts are divided. And we want them to be more unified, don't we? Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Let us pray. Father, we are so grateful for your mercies. Oh, holy Lord, thank you for putting this fear in our heart. Oh, Lord, we need to repent. Of all of our sinful fears whereby we are becoming our own tormentors. We have no reason to be doing that. We have a greater fear, a better fear, a holier way to use this emotion you have given us to be purified and cleansed and tremble in joy and love in your presence. I pray that you would let that be so in Christ's name. Amen.